Okay, up against the wall, all of you. Let's get up against the wall. Sergeant Stadenko, exactly what are you looking for? Dope, drugs, weed, grass, toot, smack, quackers, uppers, downers, all-arounders, you name it. We want it. And how important is it to you to apprehend the suspects? Critical. The buying and selling of dope in this country may be the last vestige of free enterprise left. There's rumors, Sergeant, that the suspects might be armed and dangerous. Do you expect to see any violence here today? I certainly hope so. Sergeant, have you yourself smoked marijuana? Only once. Hey, look at those nuns. So it was a station wagon, huh, Harry? Very devious. They almost look like real nuns, don't they, Harry? Right down to the stockings. Very clever. Very clever. Not bad. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know that? Reminds me of a funny story my dad used to tell me, Harry. The only kind of meat a priest can eat on Fridays was none. Inside! She rode Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin 12 times in a row because she was on acid. It's Elizabeth Gomez. She rarely messes with drugs, but when she does, it's Prilosec. It's Adrian Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians wonder why is America so obsessed with getting high when it just makes us fall asleep? I mean, I cannot get high for crap. <laughs> like, I just go... <sighs> okay. uh, each week, we watch a classic movie from the 80s and 90s and talk about how having your best friends all be fictional really fucks up your ideas about being a person. Today, we're talking about Up in Smoke, a huge hit when it came out in 1978 and is still one of the most popular stoner movies today, at least according to Elizabeth. She wrote that. <laughs> no, that's, that's what they say on the internet. Adrian. Okay. I did some research. Okay. <laughs> it's a movie about two strangers who become best buds through adventure, music, and their love for weed, speed, acid, lewds, uppers, downers, poppers, hatch, and of course, Ajax. <laughs> hey, and today <laughs> we have Soli Santos, a Latinx comedian and actress to discuss what it's like to be a sober person in a world of drug and alcohol addicted Americans, especially in Chicago, where even our grocery stores have a piano bar. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> when I go home to Virginia, people are like, you can actually drink while you go grocery shopping Why in Chicago? Why wouldn't you drink when you're going grocery shopping? I mean, I ask that question all the time. My one friend also came here and was like, I can't believe you're allowed to buy vibrators at Target. Did you know you could do that here? I mean, that seems like a health issue. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, should like be in able the to do that. Aisle, actually. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's get to this movie, and uh, this recap's going to go fast. <laughs> you think? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to mo- make a point that uh, the chunk of this film is uh, completely intervi- inter- improvised. improvised. Yes. Um, and it was really funny, because I didn't realize that Cheech Marin... Uh, had met Tommy Chung because Tommy Chung's family owned a strip club. (laughs) Did you know that? I mean, it all checks out to me. That seems to make sense. (laughs) The best part about it was Cheech and Chung also loved improv. So they were like, let's do improv at the strip club. So when they started to do more improv, they kept the strippers so that they keep the same clientele coming back and forth. That all, again, checks out for me. I mean, I would say this movie for me does not give improv a great name. I mean, we live in Chicago. We know how terrible improv can be. Everybody's about to take an improv class. So this, the short of it for Tommy, uh, he says, two guys meet. They decide to form a band together. But first, they need, they need a joint. Therein lies the plot. Yeah. So Adrian, kick us off. Listen, I need to preface by saying, when I watched this movie, I was, in fact, knitting and drinking tea. So <laughs> I am 
willing to admit that I'm old, I'm sort of, you know, stodgy. I mean, nothing made me feel more like a priss than this fucking movie, which I hated watching. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really liked it when I was a kid. And then when I was watching it the other day, I was like, why would I ever like this movie? But then it started getting rolling and I decided to get into it. So we start with, uh, (laughs) we start with Cheech Moran, who's Pedro, and he is on a In a crop top, in a fucking crop top. And like little red suspenders, khaki pants. He looks really cute, actually. He's, he's it's a pretty, whole vibe. It's a whole vibe. It is a vibe. And he's pretty adorable, but like he's in a crop top. He's like pissing. Driving a lowrider. No, he first he like gets up and he pisses in a laundry hamper. And I'm already like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's you know? True. And it's been two hours watching men be fucking gross and irresponsible. Like it's the life I live. So it's like, <laughs> Jesus. But okay, so then he's driving his lowrider, which is a cool car. And we have that song, which is a great song. Yes. And then there's like this beautiful scene of the California coast. Yes. And he sees what he believes is a woman yes. who's super hot, but she also has a full beard. <laughs> well, he's driving, so he can't tell, but he's like, oh, I'll pick up this hitchhiker. And guess what? It's Chong. Yes. It's yes. Chong. His name is uh, technically Anthony Stoner, which is uh, so creative. Yeah. And um, they call him the man throughout the movie because they never actually acknowledge him by his name. Well, and all the they film. do is go, yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Oh God! So, so they pick, they get picked up, and of course, the first thing that they want to do is get high. And um, Tom, uh, the man he has uh, basically like some drum kits, and so yeah, he loads all his shit into the lowrider. Yeah, and so Pedro, like they moved in together, like immediately. <laughs> it's like a couple lesbians. He said hello, and they fucking got in the car, packed He's up like, his I shit. Live here, yes. Whereas we don't even need a U-Haul man. No. So they're just basically like, hey, you know, I like playing drums, and then the other guy's like, I really like singing in a band and playing guitar. Let's be in a band together. Let's get high. And when uh, they start getting high, we find out that the weed that they're smoking is actually weed that had been shat out of the dog that Tommy had at first, Pedro, or the man. And I'm like, where's this dog while you're off doing these adventures, regardless? Listen, the weed, is, the joint is the size of a rolled up newspaper. For, for our listeners who also grew up in the 80s, who remember what a newspaper looks like. <laughs> For newer listeners, I'm trying to think what else could it be. You know, it's like a foot long. It's like a Subway sandwich. I would say like a Subway sandwich. Yeah, it's this giant fucking joint and fucking Chong's just like... You know, like really fucking getting at it. And then they get pulled over. And it seems to be like almost the first improvised joke that they have. Because he's like, man, what is this? And then man says, man, I think it's like Maui Wowie and some dog shit. Yeah. And then he explains what kind of dog he has. And then Pedro says, man, I wonder what Great Dane tastes like. Wow. You know, the comedic chops on these fucking guys, you know? Infamous, infamously famous. Okay. I mean, is that famous? I mean, I'm going to take your word for all of that. Everyone loves Cheech and Chong. That's famous? It's, well, everyone from my generation. We'll talk to Soli about it. Okay. Then we went to uh, the scene where they basically get pulled over by the police, which is a lot of pulling over by the police The police are like on their tail all the time. And in any good sort of blooper movie, they're always sort of just escaping. This time they escape because the police car gets rear-ended. Yes. And then the second time they get pulled over, they actually do go to jail and then they end up... For a second. (laughs) Right, for a second. Because uh, man basically like takes all the drugs when he gets pulled over. Now he's like fucking high and like crazy 
like being weird, gets to the court, needs some water, asks for some water from the judge, drinks the water, and it's like, oh, man, that's vodka. And then everyone's laughing, 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 laughing. Is know? that why they got out? <laughs> yes, I think I think that's a lie. Okay. So then they go to Pedro's house, <laughs> end up at Pedro's <laughs> Honestly. I'm like, we can just zip through this. Yeah, let's just keep it moving because is anyone paying attention? No, it's just two fucking dudes on getting the high, all the running time. from the cops and like getting high and making very lame jokes that only high people would find to be very funny. Correct, which is why this is going to be an interesting journey. You know what? I should have taken a bunch of weed before I watched this. I don't think so. I don't I think, think it would have improved it for me, honestly. <laughs> So then uh, Pedro and, and, and Man, they basically are just like on this constant hunt for weed and going to band practice. Correct. At one point, Pedro's cousin's like, they're at Pedro's cousin's house and they notice that uh, some police officers have pulled up and they're like, oh no, that's La Migra. So they're like, uh, Man is like, oh no, we're getting busted, but you can't get busted for seeds. And then, uh, what's his name? Pedro. Pedro's like, oh no, actually I remember it's my cousin's wedding and he's having a wedding in Tijuana so he's calling these immigration officers to take the whole family back so we don't have to pay to go to the wedding and we get free lunch <laughs> I mean that's kind of funny but also very racist and upsetting for people I, think, I, I think, mean I think it wasn't great so when Pedro gets down to Tijuana he's in Tijuana meantime during this period there's also like a, a flash to the to the police officers yes because now the them. police are like real people who are like coming to do like a big drug bust yeah and they're like you know weed it's different now man they're making, they're making like fiber glass weed, weed. Right? they're making entire vans out of weed through like a process of turning weed into plastics I was just like I am going to throw myself <laughs> The one thing I did think at this moment, though, was like, <laughs> wow, this is like wild. Like there was a moment that someone was sitting there and they were like probably very high and being like, you know, what's so cool, man. If you could take weed and make it into a van, man. That looks, of course, we'll make the weed. We'll make the van green. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we won't try to disguise it. <laughs> so Pedro and man end up driving the 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 truck from um they're yeah, in the Mexico. weed van. They're yeah. going to drive. They're going to be drug smugglers. <laughs> they're going to drive the weed van to back to California. But very much in like their goofy slapsticky way, they yes. don't actually know that the van is made of weed. They're yes. just like, I'm just going to drive this truck for right. My it's uncle. not like fucking Sicario. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while they're at the border crossing, they get to the yeah. They get to the immigration. Man throws his his joint. Into a car full of nuns. Yeah, again, a joint the size of Texas. <laughs> and it's sitting in this nun's lap, and none of the nuns seem to notice. No, and, and it's, it's burning a while. It's smoky. I mean, by the way, like, <laughs> you fucking smell pot. It has a very distinct smell. <laughs> but you know what? Fine. It's a movie. I'll I'll join you in the movie <laughs> magic. So the nuns are sitting there, and the, this whole thing foils the detectives, who are like, oh, the nuns have the weed. Oh. <laughs> How clever. Right. They're like, oh no, these nuns have gone undercover to smuggle weed into the, the country. Hopefully this this part of the recap gives you some insight into our dramatic reading <laughs> from the opening. Really the only amount of dialogue that was fully like thought out in the whole film. So then um, 
while they're there uh, at the rest stop, you know, the, the detective goes to the bathroom. He meets Man, who, you know, of course, he's supposed to be arresting Man, but doesn't end up arresting him, which is a whole slapsticky. Oh, yeah. And they so keep funny. peeing on the yeah. detective, too, in bathrooms. <laughs> and this dog goes to smell the exhaust pipe of yeah. the van and then yeah. dies. Yeah, and that's so how much the detective weed. figures so out. So much weed. <laughs> Dogs usually die from smoking weed. I don't so really much weed. So then they're driving. Thing? They're driving the van again, and then I think what happens next is they become. They're gonna. They pick up some hitchhikers, and then they're going to be in a, a, sh- a battle of the bands. Yes, it's and the called, best. It's called Rock Band of the Century. To be a honest, rock fight. this is the only part of the movie where I felt um, some level of, pr- of appreciation because <laughs> Cheech comes out in a pink tutu. And a Mickey Mouse hat. I don't care about that. He's in a pink tutu and his legs are lit. I'm just like, the whole time he's dancing, he's in this tiny skirt. And I'm just like, your legs are amazing. They look hairless, but naturally so. You know, just like perfectly defined. It's really the only time when I looked up from my knitting and paid attention. <laughs> This movie, more than any movie we have picked so far, really, I think, exemplifies the differences between me and Elizabeth <laughs> in ways that I think is going to be really enjoyable for everyone. <laughs> well, so right before they go on stage, though, uh, you know, um, the ma- man gets basically uh, the wrong drugs. And so he's like a big mess. Oh, you know, there's a big famous scene where like also everyone like one of the friends, they had picked up two hitchhikers and one of the girls was like, Doing retelling a whole story and it makes it look like the van's rocking and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you guys are fucking!" Oh my god, yeah, so so famous. It was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that sort of vibe before, but cool, yeah. And then finally, the detectives catch up with these two like horribly stupid guys. Yeah, and um, someone is at the time towing away the van, and the police catch up with the tow truck, and they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, that's the van, that's the van." And for some reason, the, the, the van has started to leak and someone has like lit some kind of match Probably or because cigarettes. it's made of fiber weed, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's been driven all the way from Mexico, so it didn't hold up. <laughs> you would think that a little bit of water, but maybe that's California and Mexico. So anyways, no. then... Um, as the, the, the police detectives are kind of arguing among themselves with the tow truck guy and then some other people, uh, the, the van starts to like basically burn up and, <laughs> and then and everybody every- gets really fucking high. <laughs> they order a pizza. <laughs> they start yelling at each other. It's real weird. And then the last scene is basically Cheech and Chung back in the car, riding down the, sh- the freeway on the California next to the coast. Getting, getting, re- getting ready to Just make a slew <laughs> of more improv movies about weed oh my god please introduce Soli (laughs) hey Soli welcome to the show (laughs) thank you for having me so our first question you know um (laughs) so many questions so many questions our first questions you know I was doing some research about the film uh, because I was like, wow, this movie really had no plot and no character development. It's just just like constantly guys getting high. And um, everything I read was like, it was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. And while that may be, do you think it was actually a good movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's because solely his taste. Tell us oh more. <clears throat> um, I, I think that... Um, 
there was there was it was like this they had this soft storyline but they kept dying it was like it was done by it was written by um someone with a small attention span <laughs> and they kept digressing f- off the story the main storyline but then they were like oh yeah we've got to go back to the plot and then they would just kind of fall back into the plot of the story yeah. i mean i just want to also say in my defense i would not be pro dude where's my car or harold and kumar go to white castle like i am not interested in watching two men get high and fucking do stupid shit and just have like weird adventures right so i just want to be clear that it's nothing against cheech and chong personally (laughs) (laughs) and let me just can i just add to that please say the one thing that i kept feeling really uncomfortable about through this watching this movie was i was becoming mildly attractive to cheech (laughs) marvin I was like, why? I didn't know his shoulders and biceps were so beautiful. And Ugh, when his and, legs and, and Adrian, when you said mentioned his legs, yeah. I was thinking the I was like, look at those quad. And as somebody mm-hmm. who is who has been a personal trainer and is into fitness, it just yes. naturally uh, attracts me. I was like, his quadriceps are amazing. Yes. Like I was like, why? Why do I fu- suddenly feel some kind of tingly sensation yes. looking at little Cheech Marine? His body is lit. I mean, he, he his body was lit. And that's yes. why I think he looks so, he looked hot with that crop. Yes. The crop top yes. worked uh, for him. It, it did. totally worked a for him. A little yellow crop top. <laughs> with a little red suspenders and, and a, red, a red beanie. I was like, come I was like, on. do I want to sit on his face all of a sudden? <laughs> like, what is it? The tutu. I'm so uncomfortable with myself. <laughs> I've never seen Cheech Marine that way. Before. At least we have one thing we can agree on about this movie. I mean, he looked hot. There's he looked a, adorable. He did. He well, did. Bringing that up, though, it's like I was trying to remember, like, why did I love this? And I remember being like a little girl. I don't even think I was like ten yet. And I would, I would just found it so funny. But I also think that it was the first time that I had really seen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Really I did find it funny because you know what it was like when you're like eight or nine years old. It's like clowns, yeah, yeah, just like these clowns. They're like, oh no, my my, my crotch goofy. is on fire. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know? all right. It wasn't that I necessarily got jokes. It's just like yeah, they're yeah. so physical, and that's because sh- they the don't movie. have jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being a real bitch. <laughs> think you're not right like, i think you're totally correct i, I do want to ask you guys a very important question that i hope you won't be too embarrassed about but have either of you done chicago improv <laughs> oh my god yes i am <laughs> I I one of you oh yes i've I never went through, done it i went through I've... second city yeah. and io's improv uh classes i i am a graduate (laughs) could you see your lessons that you had learned in this film absolutely not well okay i i did see one they yes and each other through the entire movie they Uh, yes that's how they got to that great great dane joke (laughs) i love that you found like three jokes you were like there are three jokes the great dane joke the joke where they think that they're fucking in the van yeah and then the uh, the nun the nun joke, which yeah. they were not in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the point. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, it was like I think the first time that I had really seen like brown men having fun 
on screen mm-hmm. like because most shows that movies and actually like a lot of the movies I think I watched in the 80s were like very deep and like kind of dark but this is like a comedy with like brown guys and they were just having a riot it's like you could just tell that they were having a good time and they wanted everyone to come with them and um that's why it meant so much to me I think and I also think it was like the first time I, this is gonna sound so sad I think it's the first time I actually saw men who look like my dad mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? like, like I was like oh man my dad kind of looks like that you know and um I think that's always like why I think about this film when I kind of think of formative films for me. When did you see this movie for for the first time? Was it last night? No. (laughs) Well, yes and no. I would say I saw it in its entirety last night. (laughs) Got it. But I've seen bits and pieces when I was a little kid. When you know, so um, like the scene you mentioned, the scene of of his family getting deported, but they did it. I remember seeing that scene as a little kid, and all I thought to myself was, "That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. They saved so much money. <laughs> Who's not doing this? Most people who don't have green cards. <laughs> I was like." This is what I thought when I I was a kid. Wait, when did you see it? Like just at home, like on TV? Well, I think it came out 78, 79. And so I probably wouldn't have seen it until probably about maybe five years later, six years later when it went to VHS. It definitely went to VHS at some point. Wait, like you owned the VHS at your house? No, my dad used to do this crazy thing where he would, well, I don't think it was crazy for that time period, but he would get together with all his other military friends and they all owned VHSs and they would all like, bring all their all their recorders into a room and just like hang out and watch movies and then they would record each other's VHSs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so two, one person the would get it. They would, dub, they would dub them yeah. and get make copies for each other basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. by the time um, he left, I think we had probably over 300 or 400 movies. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Each, yeah, each VHS set tape held uh, three movies basically. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so we had all the, all the Cheech and Chung movies and I remember that it would make my dad laugh so hard. What I didn't know was my dad's a, that's a stoner. <laughs> I didn't realize that he was like getting high and watching those movies, but um, it was very much into my like memories of my father. Well, I can tell you, I also I did see it as a youth, which may surprise you. And that completely shocks me. Well, that, I don't. <laughs> that really shocks me. Similar to Soli, I don't think I saw like the entire thing. But let me tell you, maybe this is also why I'm like ugh with this movie. But so you know, I'm a white person, and <laughs> I I had a white person boyfriend. <laughs> did you find out? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they keep reminding me. (laughs) My white person boyfriend, shout out to Jason, when I was like 16, he had some like stoner buddies. And like there was nothing to do where I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. And so I remember like sometimes he would drag me to like his friend's like basements where then you would just like (laughs) fucking sit there. That sounds like a true crime plot. Yeah, but you know. I was going to say, I was like, I think he kidnapped you. (laughs) Well, you would just like sit there while it was like a bunch of douche bros. None of them had girlfriends. So it would be like me and a bunch of douche bros. And they'd be like watching Cheech and Chong and like getting high and being annoying. And I was like, this is so fucking boring. All of it. So yes, I see this. I'm outing myself. Such a priss. Even then it's sort of embarrassing but i was never like let me get high and like try to figure out why this is funny <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could even do that i mean i really think even high it's probably not great 
Yeah, Men I, seem to like it. I think. Well, I think your it's dad also, liked it, I, but I think it's also it's a broy movie. Yeah. yeah. So I I can see why guys would would like it. Well, I mean, even to Adrian's point about the other movies that this because this really did open up the door for stoner films. But I think not only did it open up the door for stoner films, one of the things I think it really opened up the door for was like this idea of like just a good time film, like friends just being friends, just doing a thing, just living their life. You don't have to think adventures. too hard. Just <laughs> yeah, just like you're just going to watch a movie and you're mentally checking out for an hour and a half and then um it might you might want to take a toke afterwards <laughs> or during, <laughs> or during. <laughs> or during right? well and what's what i did do like objectively i was like you know of course trying to dig for material for this podcast and i was like the the other things that came across for me where it's like you know they come out with a very strong point of view right like the first scene is the the bathroom scene which like shows people like who are kind of poor and then they move to this like scene where man is like being yelled at by his parents i think they think. who yeah. are rich yeah, yeah. who are rich. rich and he they're like oh you need to be better you need to grow up and he just like walks out and like leaves the family and i thought that was like a really great thing to show because it was just like okay well now they have a point of view and we're going to start getting somewhere and we we didn't <laughs> we never got anywhere that was as far as they got <laughs> it was like you know what like they almost were like okay we have this like somebody was like sincere about writing a screenplay and they started with that and then they were like well let's just shoot it and see what happens <laughs> yes that's exactly what happened i mean most of the the script was i mean that's exactly what tommy chong says it's like i just had this idea and then we went with the script but it also makes me think about like what is comedy right and you're a comedian so what made you decide to enter comedy is this something that you're like i love cheech and chung i want to be like them <laughs> um as, as much as i'm weirdly sexually attracted to cheech marine from 1978 now and i i uh i feel really weird about that now <laughs> but um no they were not my they were not part of my inspiration for doing comedy i will say uh adrian you're back to your question of improv i did start with improv um and then realized how much i despise it and so i went <laughs> that seems to be a common journey people yes. do both second city and io and then come out to go you know what that fucking sucks that was terrible <laughs> i will tell you i have i've had a rule of thumb when I meet people in Chicago that I'm like, if you ask me to go to your improv show, we cannot be friends. You guys, <laughs> as you know, we'll get back to Sully real quick. Just a quick yeah. digression in the spirit of this movie of yes. digressions. <laughs> um, I was just dumped by this dude who was pursuing me. And I should have known on our last day, he said to me that he was hoping in 2022 to take an improv class. So I should have known that. Oh, oh that was known. a red flag. flag. It was a red flag. Yeah. That I was like, especially in COVID times, I'm like, that's where you're taking the yeah. risks. <laughs> Listen, if I was dating me while I was doing an improv class, I would have dumped me too. I would have dumped me too. I would have been like, look, we can't do this. Wait, were you on a team? A fair decision. I, wa I was on, well, no, I was in the class. Okay, I didn't, you never I didn't, joined a team. I never did the conservatory or I, no I didn't do that okay good then you're fine so then mm -hmm. you did improv and you're like this is horrible this is terrible oh can I just real quickly before you go on with, we keep interrupting you and I'm sorry that's okay. I'm sorry I yes know and you're that's Latinx and we gotta be like cool about that let you say yes and but one of the things that I thought about improv was that it stresses me the fuck out so like if you take if you take me into any place where you're like zip zap zap or catch this in, like invisible ball oh god I'm just like big panicked. booty big booty big booty big booty <laughs> <laughs> big booty is that a yeah that's thing? a that's a game that's an improv game <laughs> big booty 
big booty, big booty, big booty. What are you supposed to one. do with it? Uh, oh, it's a song, and then it's kind of like a zip, zag, zip, zap, zap, but it's Oof. with the big booty instead. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm stressed. Move on. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, maybe we should stop like breaking down like how horrible improv is since we're at the Lincoln Lodge. Yeah. <laughs> we'd like to thank our sponsor, this, the Lincoln is this Lodge. An improv? No, they're like a stand-up place. Yeah, more. that's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. They're the respectable side of comedy. Stand-up. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say, I don't, I think it, the, the improv is fantastic depending on the situation like I still I feel like my it, it helped me with my improv skills of doing stand-up that I do now like like dealing with, like yeah. interacting with audiences you know and being on the fly and quick yeah. like that but to be on a team that I kidnapped me and tie me up and put me in a basement for a year before <laughs> instead of putting me on a improv team do you understand what I'm saying like I think I do I, I, I really do. appreciate that you've never asked us to go to any of your improv shows <laughs> no I told nobody except uh my uh then boyfriend and then um I should have broken up with him for being him being so supportive of my improv. <laughs> That's what I should have done. It, that was the red flag for him. I would have been like, you are being supportive. We're going to break up because you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be supporting this. <laughs> so where, where, what, what made you decide to pivot? And how's that been for you? Um, I, it made me decide to pivot because I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like the whole improv team thing. Like I just... Um, I just, it was just, I was like, I guess I'm not a team player because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to play with any of these motherfuckers here. <laughs> Can we curse on this? I'm yes. Sorry. Okay. Clearly. You're talking to us. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. Um, and so, um, it was just, it kind of just evolved into, okay, so I still want to do this. I still want to be in comedy. How else can I do this? Oh, by myself. That's so much better. Oh, stand up. Oh, this is great. Well, we should say we all met through the Kates, yep. yes, which is like an all-female comedy collective doing yeah. storytelling and stand-up. Are you still doing stand-up? Like, has COVID yes. affected your... I mean, it affected my, me just like everybody else, but I am doing live. I am. I have been doing live shows. I love that. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how um, what Adrian was saying about these other stoner movie, movies, you know, Harold and Kumar. Um, dude where's my car Ugh. and all those films being like yeah well they're, they're so I was like oh my god now I'm thinking about this they're like very very male dominated this like mm -hmm. genre also stand-up comedy very male yes. dominated um and sometimes like when I've had to do open mics which I don't do stand-up anymore but when I did was like listening to the same jokes about getting high and masturbation uh -huh. and like look at my dick was uh -huh. like so horrible for me because the worst part about that was after I did my set someone would come up with me like up to me and be like yo you know how to make that joke better yeah there was always unsolicited advice yeah and then I'd be like dude you've only been at this open mic for the last 10 years of your life go fuck yourself mm -hmm. right <laughs> but tell us a little bit about that like your experience with men in the comedy scene and whether you think that like that's really shifting and changing I think that's a really important conversation to have actually yeah um for me it wasn't something that I uh felt intimidated by I think but I think that it's also because I grew up in a house with just boys I don't have any sisters I have three brothers and being uh Puerto and Rican like a police officer right two of them are yeah <laughs> but they weren't police officers when we were children <laughs> <laughs> so that part doesn't count 
<laughs> Although uh, I did get, um, they would uh, uh, restrain me just to beat me up on a regular basis. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> now you know I do comedy. Um, but I did feel like um, I was already in a male-dominated environment from the get-go, right? So, um, so transitioning to another another realm where it's male dominated, it's like going from uh, <laughs> from warm water to warm water. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it doesn't like make a difference. Yeah, it really didn't for me. Um, but I do see that now it's like it's definitely evolving. I definitely see more women in it, which is great, you know. But I've still been on showcases where like. I'll look at the flyer and I'm still the only woman (laughs) on the showcase, Yeah, you know, and I'm just like, oh, (laughs) it's 2021 or now 2022, but still like, and I'm, there's like six performers on this lineup and I'm the only female. So I think there's a a lot to that. And then on top of that, you know, also being uh, Latina, then I'm, I, I might be the only uh, quote unquote minority yeah. or POC person of color, you know, so then it's that as well. I think I've also kind of gotten used to like or just evolved with the the experience of being the only Latina in the environment. And I say that even when in my day jobs, you know, so it's like that just kind of transitioned. Like it was like seamless for me to be in an environment like that. Oh, nobody else here is like me. Right. You know? Well, you know, one of the things, um, one of our guests from last last season was Kelsey Huff. If uh, Kelsey's listening, shout out to you, Kelsey, for not reading that book. <laughs> uh, you know, Kelsey is one of my favorite people in the comedy scene in Chicago but one of the things I remember us talking about a lot even just like as a group as like us as the Cates were was the idea that it's not even like that comedy is male dominated but the the structures in place are so ancient and the way to do comedy is not female friendly right um and so it makes it very difficult for women to really break out and get the work and practices that other people do for sure um and so watching this movie I kept thinking about that too like that's still it's like that's still the same format how many years now we're in the 2020 from 78 mm-hmm. is still like a format that wins and gets it like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's funny though it's not really funny or is it something that you're just used to seeing so therefore you laugh at it I think it's just more used to seeing it's familiar and and so people just are comfortable with familiar so how do we get rid of those structures we kill all the men <laughs> on the planet <laughs> all See, I of never them thought any of this shit body that has a penis <laughs> has to go away I never thought that like I mean so I did some stand up in these you know with mics and stuff so I also we're at the Lincoln Lodge they're our new home of our podcast Wokefield they're also the home of the Femcom class which I yep. took I know you took did you I take did, it I did too okay so everyone should take it it's all it female stand up so you can come you can take a class and you can be I so my point in saying this is that I sought out environments that were not male dominated right I was like I'm going to take the femcom class and then like the Kates and like storytelling I think is a little bit more um 
like there's more queer people and women more diversity and, yeah and more diversity of voices so like i was like i went to a couple mics you know they're like fucking late at night and it's a bunch of like bros who are like 25 smelly you know like right. telling jokes about their dicks Drunk, and i was right. like this and i was also at this point like probably i don't know like 33 so i was like this is not my world so i have to like make my own path like, and, and I'm clearly not a successful stand-up comedian. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what path I've made, but my point is more that I think, you know, it it is a gatekeeping in that way. Because if you're like, oh, this is gross. I don't want to participate in it. There are some places, like Kelsey had started the Cates and like Femcom. There were places where you could like right, find women. For sure. And like find but community. But you have to seek them out. You do. It's not and like. it's limited. It's yes. very limited. And yeah. it's not like you like men just show up and 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 so they they don't have to make that effort um because because they don't because it's just it's all it's, it's there yeah. it's, it's there, there. it's yeah. there well it's hard to s- picture this movie being made if like you know me and elizabeth were like you know we want to make a movie Can I smoke some weed? we're just gonna like smoke weed no and, like, you have to do maybe you... at the end we'll be in a band <laughs> <laughs> no we're it's... picking up hitchhikers i mean like yeah. the moment you and i are in a scene where we're picking up hitchhikers is the moment every every woman in the in the theater would be like oh, oh no murder. <laughs> no they're see, gonna be raped like, you the only way you could do that type of movie is it would be Thelma and Louise and you have to kill yourself at the end exactly. of the movie. <laughs> exactly. You have to hurl yourself out of a car off exactly. a cliff. Because <laughs> we couldn't live with the slut shaming afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but, and people calling us like, well, you know, those two have kids at home. <laughs> Speaking of, let's talk a little bit about like the drugs, the drinking, the funsies. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's also great tie into the whole com- comedy scene. There's yeah. a lot of that in the culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you, Soli, are not. I am not. <laughs> I'm like, I used to be amazed when we would show up at open mics together and it'd be like, you're not going to have 15 bourbons before we get up on stage. (laughs) I'd be like, no. (laughs) So Lee, do you not drink any alcohol? I'll have a drink maybe like once every year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Once or twice. I had that for breakfast. (laughs) And drugs, you're, you're no drugs. I mean, I've smoked weed. Um, and, but that's been a minute because uh, like you, it makes me completely unproductive and I got too much shit to do. Okay. (laughs) And as somebody who, um, makes an effort to go to the gym five days a week, (laughs) um, I stopped smoking weed. There was a point in my life I was smoking weed enough that until one, until one day, uh, I, I had smoked and I was like, I don't want to go to the gym. And then I thought to myself, Ooh. You gotta stop smoking weed. Like, <laughs> I literally have never heard of a story like that. <laughs> I was like, this has gotta stop because uh, the gym is not stopping for me. So <laughs> that's that. my that's my addiction. That's my addiction. The gym, yeah, for sure. The endorphins are are what uh, I like going there. And especially before when I was like more um, closer to when I used to compete and stuff. Um, uh, I used to like bench pressing and out lifting some of the guys that were at the gym Fuck yeah. just to see the look on their face. That was way more high inducing than <laughs> any drug on the planet. And you didn't get the munchies afterwards. You were just like, I can, I can go home, drink my protein shake. Well, even if I ate, it was like, I deserve this because I just spent an hour and a half humiliating half the guys at the gym. This is great. 
I love that. Did you ever deal with drugs when you were a kid? Like, because you grew up here in Chicago. I would I, assume. I did. I grew to up. To everyone's surprise, you grew up in Wrigleyville. <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up. Yes. When, before it was Wrigleyville. Chicagoans will get that joke. <laughs> yeah, before it was Wrigleyville. Wait, what was it then? It used to be part of Lakeview. And oh, when okay. gentrification took over, they renamed it. Yeah. So that they could, you know, wait, wait, have a fresh new give, uh, give me some coat of paint on it. Give me some streets. So I was right by, I grew up right by uh, Clark and Racine, right by the Metro. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Cabaret Metro, yeah, as yeah. we used to call it. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Back yeah. in the day, because I'm 500 years old. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I grew up right right down the block from that. So, um, yeah, what was my point? I've had head injuries. Sorry, <laughs> ladies. I'm she wants to know how many drugs you did as a child. <laughs> well, see, I don't need any. I can't remember what's going on as a sober person. Can you imagine what would be happening right now? I wouldn't even, if I was doing drugs, I'd be like, I don't remember why I'm here. Who are you guys? How do I get home? Somebody call my mom. Am I eight? What year is this? So who, who? I mean, were you exposed? Because being like a, a kid who grew up in the city, I would assume that this might have been a thing that might have happened. There are drugs everywhere. But go <laughs> ahead. Know. There are drugs everywhere. But I grew, I grew up, up in Hopewell, Virginia. I know. <laughs> I grew up in a house of conservative parents. And so um, who do not who do not uh, who aren't heavy drinkers like my dad might have like he would have like maybe like one or two beers at a party and my mom <laughs> distinctly did not like drinking my mom would have like a like um piña colada she would have a piña colada in her hand at a party the entire night and she would just just so that people would stop offering her drink she would just be like the the drink would not go it's down just fucking melting she would nurse it would it would be all weird by the end of the night but anytime somebody would be like hey do you want a drink she'd be like no i'm still i still have this one and then she'd do like a fake sip she'd be <laughs> She, but she never like said like my parents never were like don't drink it's bad like it wasn't my whole decision on not to drink is like just out of pure i just don't like it elizabeth doesn't understand that I'm like, at I don't, all are you speaking english right she now she is confused i don't like the way it makes me feel and i think it has to do with control issues oh I my god i don't like not being in control so my my uh, oldest kid uh, is definitely the same way. Like she's she'll like kind of be like, oh, can I have like a can I have like a wine cooler or hard lemonade? <laughs> and then she she'll drink like one sip, hold it in her hand the whole night, and act like she's drinking it. But she has she's like so wound up. She she's like I can't do it because I don't like not being in control mm-hmm. and knowing what I'm mm-hmm. doing, um, which is completely opposite than her mother. <laughs> <laughs> But now that my parents are retired, like my mom, I was like, why does my mom know more alcoholic beverages than I do now? Like, why is this? They stopped working and now they're like a couple of drunks at the house. Like they <laughs> they drinking. And I'm like, when did this start? I don't even know you people anymore. They're relaxing. You're, you're like, mom, it's only eight o'clock. <laughs> it's the like morning. Wait. Elizabeth, tell us why you love alcohol. Because you oh, love it. I do love alcohol. I love alcohol and I love drugs. And I'm not great at either. Um, actually, I mean, I'm, actually, I'm you're not too great bad at, at, at alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, you're fucking great at alcohol. <laughs> like, you can be very drunk and still keep your shit together. I, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty good. Because if um, you were messier, I don't think we'd be as close as we are. Because I'd be like, that's really fucking annoying. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, you're dropped. <laughs> you're going into my pile of improv friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, you know, I didn't drink until I was 21, actually, which everyone's usually very surprised of. Uh, I also was the president of my students against drunk driving <laughs> chapter at Hopewell High School. I believe um, that because you're not into drunk driving. <laughs> right? That's, that still stands. But I also went to an anti-drug camp. When I was in, wow. in high school, um, I got kicked out because I, I cut my foot on a bathroom stall. It was weird. But well, anyway, not getting kicked out. That's a medical intervention. <laughs> you got kicked out because you were injured. They're like, this bitch is going to sue us. Get her the fuck out of here. She on drugs. Um, yeah, I didn't really mess with any of that stuff until like way late, like not way later in my life, but not until like it was like legal because I'm also a rule follower. <laughs> That's so hilarious. <laughs> the one time I did get drunk, because, uh, you know, I was in high school, and like everyone in high school, I felt very much like, oh, no one no one likes me. You know, there's the cool people, and here's the not cool people. And this chick, Kelly, who was very cool, because she had a, like, Robert Smith haircut from The oh Cure. My God. But it was blonde, and she had these beautiful blue eyes, and I was like, oh, my God, I want to be her. And uh, she was like, hey, Elizabeth, you want to go to a party? And I was like, yes, I want to go to this party with you. So I sneak out of the house. I go to this party with her. We downed a whole glass of strawberry hill wine <laughs> do you guys boone's farm do you remember that yes and so i drink this like glass of wine and i come home and my mom had been waiting up before me which was like not common because she usually is home later than me so she got home earlier and she's like oh my god risa are you drunk <laughs> and i was like no mom i'm not drunk i don't even drink <laughs> And then I go to take off one of my shoes and then fell fla- like face first onto the ground. Oh, good times. That was some real Boone's Farm. This shit was strong. Yes, good times. And my mom like literally didn't help me at all. And she just like pointed at me and was like, I knew you were drunk. <laughs> that was the end of it. She who didn't get in trouble? No, no. Then I didn't like drink again until I was 21. Maybe even a little bit after that. Yeah. But um, as an adult, I mean... I like to party, you guys. You do. I didn't smoke do. weed until I was 25. And I remember I had no interest in it because I was just like, I'm not really. It doesn't. But I ended up getting hired at a job where they did drug drops. And when they told me that, you know, unannounced drug drops would be part of this, you know, job. And I remember thinking in my head, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to start smoking weed. And so I <laughs> did. That's how I started doing That's how I started smoking weed. Oh, my weed. God. So we're just going to have a podcast about the way your brain works. <laughs> She's just like, I'd rather do drugs and have a job. And I had the job. They never caught they never caught me. But I was still like I was still like, no, you're not gonna now that you told me I can't do it, aside from the fact that it was illegal at the time, I was still like, No, I'm gonna smoke weed now. I mean, you're truly an up and smoke moment right there. <laughs> Adrian, you haven't you don't drink very often. No, I mean, you know, I think also when I think about this movie, so when I grew up my uh mom was an alcoholic and like pretty serious like functioning sort of I mean she would function from about 7 a.m. until like 3 30 when she went to work she was a teacher and then she'd come home and she would drink a bunch and she'd be in bed passed out by like six which is pretty impressive and what was her drink of choice because it's my favorite (sighs) sherry I, you always find that hilarious. Why is that hilarious? Is it like a dessert wine? Yes, that's it's what like, I think of. Yeah, yeah, you usually use it for like cooking and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was like, just going to say, <laughs> no, she was like, like ma- she was making a meal and yeah. she was down and right. like, yeah. it's like it, call, it calls for a half a cup of sherry and yeah. then, but she's drinking the rest of the yeah. like, <laughs> Well, you know, like my, as you know from previous podcasts, <laughs> our listeners will remember, my dad was very into like interior design via antiques. And so the sherry would be decanted 
decanted in like this giant crystal decanter (laughs) that was like on a sideboard with like, you know, crystal glasses that were like waiting. Um, But so when she got sober, I think I was like 14. And um, so the messages were very strong. Like, you know, you're not like you do not drink like it's in your genes. You know, you're going to become an alcoholic. So like. And uh, this whole time my parents had been ignoring me. So I think then suddenly there was all this onslaught of like, don't drink. It's like, you're going to die. You're going to fuck up your entire life. So then like, I think it made me very judgmental of like other people drinking at the time because I was just like, well, you know, that's very uncouth. (laughs) (laughs) You're like sweaty. (laughs) Right. So like then by the time I got to college, I would drink like, you know, obviously, as you know, I was in a sorority. Shout out to to the Delta Zetas. Big party gals you know so that's probably also they trained me for you because (laughs) you know my girl my seven my seven bourbons to your one Coors Light yeah yeah like so we would go out in our backless tops and we would be at Club Amnesia in DeKalb Illinois Club Amnesia yes yes and like you know I remember I can vividly picture like how they're doing shots and then going to the trash can at the end of the bar vomiting in it and then doing another shot like I mean they were and I would have like one or two Coors Lights because like I also don't metabolize alcohol very well like I get very hungover um, and like solely, I don't like to feel like I have no fucking clue what's going on, which is an interesting point, though, because Cheech and Chong very much want to feel like they have no fucking clue what's going on. Right. You know, yeah. and and that's a, a feeling I don't really relate to. And I'm interested in your own bourbon drinking. Like, is there a point where you're like, yeah, I want to fucking not know what's going on? No, I never feel that way. Yeah. I always maintain to the point where I'm like, okay, this is going to make me like wonky and I don't want to be part of it because I want to have memories. I want. I want to be like, hey, last night was a really good time. Remember when you said that? That was real stupid. You know? like, yeah, yeah. Like I want those kind of things. Um, I also think this actually is a good segue into my next biggest question before we start wrapping up. Is um, I am always like good time party girl. Yeah. Right. Like I love to throw a party. I love to be at a party. I love it when people are like, oh, you got to come to my party and hype things up. And you know, people have tapped me for those things because I'm an enneagram. Seven. Yes. So this is one of, uh, to all of our listeners, you know, this is a thing that comes up in our podcast pretty regularly. (laughs) (laughs) But this is like the first time that we could really kind of deep dive into what an Enneagram is and why it's so important. And the reason I'm bringing it up for this particular movie is because Chong is definitely an Enneagram Seven. He's like, I love all the different things. He's like, I love women. I love playing music. I love getting high. I love getting into cars with strangers. He's like, Like, whatever, whatever's gonna happen. He's just like, I'm gonna gonna roll. roll. I'm gonna roll with all the energy. What's gonna come? And this is where you know, Adrian said to me. She texted me and was like. I can't believe you really liked this movie. And I said, you're going to say that you don't understand this movie, but you're also going to see why I, I might be who I am today because I have that same kind of vibe, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, let me, I mean, literally one time when I was working as a bartender, this man, his name was Robert. He came into the bar in Whittier, California that I was working at. And he came in all of a sudden, five days in a row, ordered one Miller High Life, left. On the fifth day, he says to me, I'd really like to go to Seattle. And I said, I'd really like to go to Seattle. And he goes, do you want to come to Seattle? And bitch, I was on that plane so fast. Wow. 
<laughs> and I spent the whole weekend with them. Wow. I was like, you can't touch me. You know, I was like, I, I want my own hotel room. And he was like, not a problem. Wow. And I spent the whole week. As a matter of fact, I didn't even stay in my hotel room the whole time because I met some of his friends and we ended up staying at his friend's house. <laughs> like, wow. I just rolled with it. Um, so I think that's probably where I get my Enneagram 7. Like, oh, that you think it's coming from Cheech and Chong? <laughs> I think this, that was the moment you were inspired? I, I, mean, th- just, I think that's where the seeds were planted. No. I was a young child. No. The seeds were planted. I think you saw like attracts like, but if anyone <laughs> studies the Enneagram, it comes from like the way your parents fucking wound you, and it's your response to that wounding. <laughs> Well, tell us more, Adrian, and then let's let's get to Sully's Enneagram. But I could understand how it could be more comforting to be like, oh, no, I just saw this Cheech and Chong movie. And then I was like, yeah, let's just roll with like, life. Let's get high. <laughs> I will. OK, so a very brief. I'm not an Enneagram expert, but I do love the Enneagram. She loves it. Well, because it changed my life. It helped me a lot. So basically, it's a personality test, but it, it comes from a more spiritual place. Like you'll hear a lot of the stuff about like your ego and like, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, and there, It's kind of like a personality test, but not, but like in Adrian's eyes, a more concrete. <laughs> it's literally, I just said it's a spirit, it's a personality test, but it has a spiritual vibe. Oh, that's, that's literally, are yeah. you drunk right now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. Well, anyway, there's nine personalities and you can test and figure out which personality you are. But the thing that is different about the Enneagram versus like the Myers-Briggs or whatever is that it is focused on like your motivations. Like why do you behave the way that you do? Why are you motivated to do the things that you do? And we laugh a lot like, sevens I think are which is Elizabeth's number are very easy to see they're one of the easiest numbers I think to point out because they're like the party starters they're the good time gals they're the people that you know want to keep moving all the time and have new experiences all the time like one of the things the, I think the label is uh what enthusiast yeah the enthusiast one thing that I think is hilarious is um last summer Elizabeth and I rode our bikes across Ohio I can't remember if we've talked about this on this but Elizabeth came to me she said let's ride our bicycles on this like five-day trip across Ohio we started By ourselves where'd we start in Cincinnati uh-huh and we went all the Cleveland, way to Cleveland 338 miles Right. Wow. And, on our bicycles. And no support staff. And while we were riding on this bikes, <laughs> the only comfort I had or the only thing that I was like, we have to finish this was because I knew if we finished, she would never make me do it again. Because <laughs> because that's a fucking Enneagram seven. She's like, she wants the experience once and then she's like, now we're gonna go find a new experience. So I was like, but if we don't finish it, it's gonna fucking she's gonna be like, We're doing it again until we <laughs> Well, I, you know, in Cheech and Chong, it really, the, like, even in that, when you're talking about parents wounding him, um, when Chong's leaving his and his parents are like, you need to be this person, you need to be this person. Yeah. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to be this other person yeah. that you don't want me to be. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's like a really, again, I think it's like, wow, I'm watching a seven be born. Yes. But you're a three. Yes. So tell tell us about, tell the listeners about what a three well, is. Three, and then let's go into Soli's. Well, we don't know what Soli is, but we can find out. But we can figure it out. We'll ask her a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or we could have people guess on our Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm a three which is the achiever, which means I'm very like motivated about achievement so I can feel like I'm okay. My deep wound is that like I feel like I'm not good enough or that like I'm not okay. So I need to keep achieving so people can like look at me and and decide that I'm okay. That's my vibe. So do we think that, um, wait, you're talking about yours. You're you're actually though, some of the things that I think that you've realized about yourself mm-hmm. is actually through your Enneagram journey is you figured out ways to make yourself better and stronger in other 
areas. Well, I think the reason that I really found the Enneagram important in like in terms of my own personal growth that sounds cheesy but it's true is because it helped me understand why I had reactions to things that I didn't understand you know like it like okay so the best part of that about the Enneagram like when you take the the test and you figure out your personality there'll be things like I would have said like I'm not image conscious and people thought that was fucking hilarious we all laughed they thought that was the funniest (laughs) thing in the world and it's definitely not the way I experienced it or thought about myself I mean solely gives me sort of eight vibes I was gonna say I was just I just looked it up I was like let me go back through these uh, Enneagram uh, types yeah and number eight is the challenger yeah (laughs) So, yeah, anyone who's like, they told me they're going to drug test me, so I'm going to pick up the weed, gives me eight vibes. And also her addiction to fitness, which is a great addiction to have if you're uh-huh. going to have one. I have seen Soli do some pull-ups and do some fucking rad shit. I'm super into it. Here's here's a short description. The challenger, the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. <laughs> I cannot neither confirm nor deny <laughs> the allegations that are being made right now. Or I should say everyone is supposed to find their Enneagram for themselves. So we should yes. not try to type. No, no, no but it's, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. The other one that I thought was maybe a one, which is uh, the reformer. Rational, idealistic type, principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionist. But I actually don't think you're a perfectionist. No, I'm not a perfectionist. That's, it, that's the only one I can I'm think of. I'm not a perfectionist. Yeah. I could say that. Yeah. What do you? What? How would you describe your role? You know, like your family environment. Do you feel like you're a peacemaker? Do you feel like you're the type of person who's like, everyone's having problems right now. Let's talk about it. Oh, so, she's an eight. So <laughs> I, eight with nine. I am yeah. definitely. Uh, I would describe myself as probably like the black sheep of the immediate family in the sense that I'm the only one that's not married. You know, I don't have any kids. Uh, I am definitely the one that says exactly what's on my mind at the moment that whatever's happening and so uh I have definitely been received by that by you know some um not receptive responses and (laughs) my response to that is I don't give a fuck you know very feels eight to me and also I think the reason I like the Enneagram is when you learn about all the personalities you can understand like even more about the people around you I'm very comfortable with people who are eight who are seven like because I always know that Soli's gonna actually say what she thinks yep and then we're gonna have like whatever conversation we're having is going to exist on just like everybody's being as real as they are whereas like some of my closest friends are nines but like at the beginning of getting to know them I'm like what the fuck what the fuck (laughs) just say what you mean who are you have an opinion and it makes me I'm just like it makes me so uncomfortable (laughs) yes I would say, um, and we, you know, we don't have to go too much further into this, but like, I would say, I'll that, pour some resources on our Instagram. <laughs> right, I was going to say, we'll get it. Um, one of the things that I found that it was helpful for for me versus like my horoscope or whatever, Briar Meg's, it is not a horoscope, right. but yes, go ahead. <laughs> is that um, I was like, oh man, like this, these are true things about me. Like I, I am like very adventurous, spirited, and and but like really, what I what I 
where that all comes from is this like need to like show love and have love. Mm -hmm. And I know that's like true for everybody, right? Like it's true for everybody, but we don't really talk about that a lot when we're talking about personality tests. We're not talking about like, well, I think your wounding message for seven is about not feeling safe, which I think is very fascinating because a lot of the behavior you describe as being a seven of things you have done to me is not safe. So it's almost as if just like headlong (laughs) running into shit because you, you're like, well, fuck it we're not safe anyway <laughs> I'm, like, I'm gonna get on this plane yeah but I can I can relate to that I feel like uh if 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 I, I almost like a, a little bit of like a seven eight ish because I'm definitely yeah. uh you know I've jumped out of a plane just a, <laughs> a yeah. perfectly good plane and I've done it five <laughs> times yes. and I did not know that about you that's it, fucking scary yes and uh I mean I just did the one of the longest zip lines in the entire world was in Puerto Rico when I was on vacation. I love it. It was the same one that um, that Jimmy Fallon did on the show, I think like last year when he went out to Puerto Rico. And uh, it's like, a, it's over a mile long and they position you like Superman and you're like 200 <laughs> feet, you're like 200 feet above a river and you're crossing just basically forests. And I love it. But but why? <laughs> and, but you would do that. But this like is what I'm. But I'm. What I'm saying is, is I'm like I like being receptive to like new experiences. Yes. Yes. And there's something about like just like let's go do something we've never done before. Yes. You know, like it, you know. So I've like gone whitewater rafting at, at level four in Costa Rica and. Oh my God. And, level four yeah and i didn't realize what a, i had never gone rafting before so that was what a way to go like it's that's like st- learning how to drive a car and you're doing like 90 on the expressway <laughs> on your first time driving and you you know you know what i mean yes i, I love that Sully looked into both of our eyes and there she was like these two people clearly don't understand whitewater rafting. <laughs> no i've been whitewater rafting i've taken no, I my child amazing. i used yeah. to live in oregon i will I, say one thing i do respect about this movie on a couple levels is i do think there is something to be said about not taking shit so seriously i obviously take a lot seriously and like, <laughs> and i don't think it always serves me as well as i would like it to you know because i'm like it, it's a heavy thing to always be taking everything so fucking seriously what i respect is uh cheech looking looking hot in a crop top. Yes. That's what I respect. <laughs> that too. Out of that movie. That too. Well, that leads us to the question, do you think that we keep this film rotating in America's canon of films or do we just trash it? I mean, I think if for nothing else, the crop top is the savior of reserving. <laughs> the because I feel like the fact that I never knew that Cheech Marine was sexually desirable in any way. And I even, while watching this movie last night, I thought to myself, I was like, do I even admit this to the ladies on the podcast? And as soon as you mentioned his, glad I his legs, I was like, the floodgates are now going to just, because there were floodgates for me when I was watching him last night. I don't know. I, it was, I learned something about myself is what I'm saying, guys. <laughs> That is definitely seven energy, though. You're yes. just like that hot guy. I will yeah. definitely do it with him. For sure. And I think that you're totally right. One of the things that we talk about with the Enneagram, which I'll just wrap up right now, is uh, 
when we call out the names of like the the titles and kind of give summaries, there's always this light in someone's eyes where they're like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. She she got it right there. Eight, yeah, yeah. eight with the seven wing. There's no I, question. I think that's definitely true. I'm going to send you some resources and I will post some Enneagram resources on our Instagram. I do not want to hear any like, is this a horoscope? No, <laughs> it is not. I would love to do some, uh, check the resources. Yeah. We're I'm definitely going to hook you, you up. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I would say this movie is oh one thing we didn't talk about but i wrap it up really quick just like in should we keep this movie one thing i know you really liked was sort of the fuck the man energy yeah i like that energy yeah. too mm-hmm. and i would say as racist and terrible and rapey as a lot of the movies we've been watching are from the 80s and 90s this this one is, wasn't no yeah. it's not it's not offensive no. and you know what should the boys get to keep their stoner comedy sure have it <laughs> enjoy yeah. yourself yeah, <laughs> I would agree. I think we definitely should keep it in the canon. Yeah, I mean it's just a fun movie, and but it's um, not that. But fun just not. Yet. But not. <laughs> I was like, it's just, well, it just harmless. It's a harmless. Yeah, movie. it's just like a good time movie. Yeah. There's no reason to like keep it or leave it or like, whatever. I fucking hated fun. it. It's stupid. Oh All right, Soli, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. So much fun. Coming. Thank you. And you guys, thanks for listening to Wokefield. Next week we'll be discussing the 1989 teen drama. Dead Poet Society, where we ask ourselves, is Mr. Keating an inspirational and magical teacher or a complete narcissist who makes children dream too big? I am so excited. And our guest will be Mike Sula, a senior writer at Chicago Reader and a James Beard Award winner. He's written about food, paleontology, and his wife, our very own Elizabeth Gomez. I'm really hoping we have some marital drama take place (laughs) right here. And we are very excited to ask him how jealous he is about my MFA. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. Apparently he applied to my program and was rejected i know it's it makes me so proud of you (laughs) poor poor mike sula james beard award winner mike sula (laughs) don't forget to follow us on instagram at wokefield pod and tell us what you think how high do you have to actually be to enjoy up in smoke i think really high i don't think my mindy's edible of five milligram would that I take to sleep on occasion would even get me there. <laughs> you forget to mention that's mandarin orange. That's my favorite flavor. I'll take a black cherry fod, it's all they have, or a key lime, but my favorite. Anyway, um, rate and review us on our favorite podcast app. I mean, seriously, look, are we speaking into the void? I do not know. We would love to hear from you. Tell us that you love us. Make us the most popular podcast on the Lincoln Lodge Network. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Take a little trip, take a little trip